So we're in uh, 2 Kings chapter 11 as we're traveling uh, through 2 Kings. And we start tonight down in the southern kingdom of Israel. And it's a little crazy down there. If you've read ahead, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Look at verse 1. When Athaliah, the crazy mother of Ahaziah, whose father was Jehoram, and Jehoram's dad was Jehoshaphat, and she was a bad influence not only on her husband, but also her son that we saw die last week. When she saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. Now, you got to be crazy if you're going to go kill some grandkids. But she's not just killing grandkids. She's killing kids that so happen to be of the children of David. So what type of a woman would do that? One who's a daughter of Ahab and Jezebel would. Remember, Jezebel is the woman of blood, Jehoshaphat. Remember him? He was the good king from Judah, the strong king. Remember his weakness? He liked to hang out with and around wicked king Ahab. Didn't seem to affect him. Because as we view his life, that was really his only fault, hanging out with ungodly people. However... It did affect his son. Jerome married Ahab's daughter. Jehoshaphat was the dad. Jerome married Ahab's daughter, the place where he liked to go hang out all the time. And she led him into evil. They had Ahaziah, and she did the same thing to him. So this is the grandmother doing all this wicked stuff. So people, it may not infect or affect you. It might not cause you to stumble but it might cause your kids to stumble. This is Jezebel's daughter doing this wicked act of killing her grandsons, which are really the royal line of King David. You know, so often when I was the young, the young youth pastor, I'd hear people say about things, about stuff, things we didn't do in our family, but things that they would say they had freedom in Christ to do. And I would guess, you know, I guess we have freedom in Christ too. We just choose not to do them. And they would engage in what I thought were different worldly things and say, yeah, it's got no impact on my life. So, you know, it's kind of, it's, we're good. It doesn't affect anybody, but so, you know, I'm strong enough. But inside when I would hear that, because I was just a young guy with young kids, I would beg to differ. And I would think, you know, maybe it didn't affect them even though I was pretty sure it probably did. But let's just say it didn't, like they said. I mean, we're talking about liquor, R-rated movies, smoking, other vices that aren't really clear in the God's Word. You know, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, don't go see a movie. However, there's things you could look at, but they, that's where they look at. So not directly, it's not there. So no problem, they would say. But what about your children? You would always try and talk to them. It never went well, at least not for me. Because I believed at that time it did impact their children. But not many would listen. Especially because, like I said, our kids were younger. And theirs were older. I, I no longer believe that is true, what I thought earlier. I no longer believe that it's true that the parents might cause their kids to stumble. I now know it's true. Because we're years later down the road. And whatever was invested in here always pays itself out years later down the road. See, their freedom in Christ did impact their children. 
A lot of their kids, most of their kids, are not walking with the Lord today, and they can't figure out why. Of course, I never, I didn't want to help them. It's too late at this point. When we would talk with them, because we were just there last year, they would tell us about their kids. And, you know, he's successful doing this and that. And then they'd get all done. I'd say, well, what about their spiritual walk? Oh, yeah, they're not. Oh, yeah, they're, we need to pray for them. Straight across the board. See, if my kids become successful and walk from Jesus, I have failed as a parent. And see, so what they thought at one time, it doesn't matter. Well, in the end, it did matter. Just like we see here in our passage tonight. It matters. I mean, that's what we find in our opening verse. Maybe Jehoshaphat could handle it. But as we saw, Jehoram, his son, couldn't and end up marrying Ahab's daughter. And then their kid, Ahaziah, who is godless to the core, he couldn't either. And when he died, his mother, because he died last week, is killing all the grandbabies. See, the, the thing is, is, is parenting never pays out at the moment. It always pays out way down the road. A recent study done says 58% of all college students, 18 to 22, drank alcohol last month. Kids 12 to 22 make up 11% of all alcohol sold in the U.S. You want to guess the number one place where they, these kids learned how to drink? Overwhelmingly, it was at home. 80% of kids said they learned by watching their parents. 52% of teens drink. And those same parents of those 52% of kids that drink, they only believed about 10% of kids were drinking. The other kids are drinking, but not my kids. My kids are good kids. Yeah, they're good kids as they're drinking alcohol right out of your stash. I mean, yeah, they're good kids. But but that's how people, and, and that's kind of how our, the church is, Dave. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's going to want to make ways. But like in our story tonight, it did impact their children. And it did not impact them in a good way. So, so team, consider your freedom in Christ. That's my parenting tip of the night. You know, maybe you can handle, maybe you can handle it, but chances are your children coming up behind you can't. And you will not see the fruit of your choices in, until 10 plus or minus years. Okay? But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, my guess would be a different mother, but I'm not certain. Sister of Ahaziah took Joash, the son of Ahaziah. He's one at this time, one year old. And she stole him away from the king's sons who were being murdered. Now, here's what we all need to understand here. This is the only remaining heir to King David. You should probably write something like that in your Bible. If this baby dies before he has sons, guess what? There will not be a Messiah. So the royal line of the Messiah ends if this little one-year-old baby dies. So she hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah so that he was not killed. Josephus says that he was hidden in, the, in a room in the temple where they stored all the extra furniture. I don't know if that's true, but he was hidden somewhere there. So he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years. Six, he was one, so now we're seven years, while Athaliah reigned over the land. So, see, this is where soap opera stuff comes from, just like I told you. In the seventh year of Jehodiah, who is the high priest of Israel, who desires to see the line of David restored, he sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the bodyguards and the escorts, and he brought them into the house of the Lord to him. 
And he made a covenant with them before he shows them anything. And he took an oath from them before he shows them anything in the house of the Lord. And he showed them the king's son. I mean, the people had to see who they're getting behind. So Jehodia or brought him out and says, hey, you now see with your own eyes, and now you all must swear to protect, to help you God, as the worship of the one true God of Israel seems to be coming back alive. So he brought him out and showed them Joash. I'll give you all one guess as to whose genealogy Joash belongs to. One guess. Come on, say it like you mean it. David, I already told you like three times already. I was just kind of checking to see if you're paying attention. So this wicked woman was seeking to wipe out the royal line of David. Man, that's totally satanic here. Athelia was seeking to wipe out the lineage of David, evil woman working for the devil here. And then he commanded saying, this is what you shall do. So the high priest, this is what he's saying here. One third of you who come on duty on the Sabbath shall be keeping watch over the king's house. One third shall be at the gate of Shur and one third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep the watch of the house lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off duty on the Sabbath shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord by the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapons in his hand. And whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. That's the, that's the, the, that's the duty. So he has, has this young little guy, seven years old, completely surrounded. You are to be with the king as he goes out and as he comes in. So the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Yehodia the priest commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath, and they came to Yehodia the priest. So you, you see the first IDF of Israel right here. It's all set up. It's secure. He's got it all organized. The high priest, Yehodiah, that we see here, if you cross-reference this over to 2 Chronicles chapter 22-11, you find out he was the husband of Yehoshabah, the one who hid the baby. She was the aunt, but she took the baby Joash and hid him away. So you got a kind of husband-wife ministry team. He's the high priest. She's hiding the baby. They got him up to seven years old, but he was one years old when she hid him. And so she hides him. And they both disciple and protect this little guy. So it's a nice combo team working for the Lord here. And the priest gave the captains of the hundreds the spears and the shields, which had belonged to King David, that were in the temple of the Lord. I mean, so I don't know if that was more symbolic. After all, this boy is of the line of David to bring out that weaponry. Then the escorts stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, all around the king. From the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple by the altar and the house. So it's like, hey, you want to get at him? Go ahead, take a shot at it. And he brought out the king's son and put a crown on him because every king needs a what? A crown. And he gave him the testimony because every king needs the what? It was in the law. What does he give him here? Gives him the word of God. Remember when, when, when the king took office or took power, he needed to read through the, the first five books of the Old Testament scroll here. And so, he, you know, he, the king needs the word of God. And they made him king, the people declaring here, taking ownership. And they anointed him, because all kings would be anointed to serve. 
and they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king as the people acknowledged their allegiance to the one true king of Israel. Because Athelia had just a self-appointed herself when her son died. Now, judging from the applause and the whistles here, it sounds like nobody liked that woman that self-appointed herself to be the reigning ruler in Judah. And so here they are, they're clapping, they're excited that someone on David's line is here, because everybody knew the prophecies concerning David. And all of a sudden, now it's not dead. There's a, there's a child, and here he stands, seven-year-old little boy, the lone descendant of David, a, a little flicker of light, if you will, that God still has, that the Masonic line is still going to happen. Now, verse 13. When Athelia heard the noise of the escorts and the people, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. And when she looked and saw her last remaining grandson that had escaped her execution, there was the king standing by a pillar according to custom. And the leaders and the trumpeteers were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing uh, trumpets were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets for the proof of the people's approval. So Athelia tore her clothes and cried out. She's not very smart here. Treason, treason. And it is kind of treason because she was appointed king. The problem was who, who appointed her? Yeah, so that doesn't really count. So, but treason to who? The crazy lady, you know, against your own godless satanic government. And you're right, it is treason. We're guilty as charged. But you know what? We have a young boy that's a king now, seven years old, surrounded by soldiers, weapons in hand, one woman yelling treason. You have to admit, she's not very smart here. Like I said, soap opera stuff. Verse 15. And Yehodiah, the priest, commanded the captains of the hundreds, the officer of the army. And he said to them, take her outside under gate. That would be outside the gate of the city. And slay with the sword whoever follows her. So take her outside the walls through the horse gate and kill her just like she's done for six years earlier. For the priest had said, do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her and she went by way of the horse's entrance into the king's house. And there she was killed just like her mother Jezebel was. Remember, she was never killed and then the guy stomped over him with the horses. Then Yehodiah made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people that they should be the Lord's people and also between the king and the people. So Israel is back to worshiping the one true God of heaven and earth. I mean, because of this seven-year-old boy, this one that everybody's rallying around. And, all the, and they're acknowledging that they're the Lord's people. I hope you and I realize that we are the Lord's people as well. That's, that's how God sees us. I, if you don't see yourself that way, it's your fault, not God. So you need to change it. Because that's how God sees you. He sees you as his people. You're bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he owns you if you let him. You're his people. This root word of covenant, almost every time you see it in the Old Testament, means to eat. When you eat something, it becomes a part of you. When I come to Christ, he now becomes a part of me. Or better yet, I become a part of him. That's what Yehoiada is doing with these people here. He's making a covenant that they would be part of the Lord's people. Please observe how when these people realized that they had a covenant with the Lord, that they were part of the winning team with the Lord, watch, it, watch how it moves them to action. When they come to understand, it's the same with the believer today. When a believer comes to truly understand what Jesus has done for them, you can't, you can't tie them down. Man, they're, they're on fire. 
Watch how it plays out here. Verse 18. And all the people of the land with a new sense of zeal and love for God went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. It had been there forever. And now all of a sudden there's a seven-year-old baby that's given people hope. But it's not the baby. It's the royal line of David that's bringing them hope. And they went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They thoroughly broke it in pieces, its altar and images. They killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars, and the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. Baal worship at this, at this time in the country of Israel obviously was not the in thing because there's the real thing now. Remember last week, Jehu slaughtered the entire prophets of Baal up in the northern kingdom? Well, now they've killed the Baal prophet and the kingdom down here in Judah as well. But do you remember who brought in Baal worship? Starts with the J. Jezebel. Jezebel. Wicked woman Jezebel brought, no, Jeroboam brought in the golden cows. <clears throat> Jezebel brought in Baal worship into the northern kingdom, and then it gravitated down because, hey, that's what happens when ungodliness settles. And Athelia, the now dead wicked woman of our story, brought it into the southern kingdom, which also happens to be a daughter of Ahab. Because what they you see him do, that's what they go and do likewise. So with the kingdom set up, the enemies of God destroyed, look out, here comes the king, verse 19. Then he took the captain of hundreds, the bodyguards, the escorts, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord and went by way of the gate of the escorts to the king's house. Then he sat on the throne of the king. So all the people of the land rejoiced. Again, it's just a seven-year-old boy. And the city was quiet, for they had slain Athelia with the sword in the king's house. Obviously, nobody liked her. Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. See, when she killed all the royal line of David, they went from hopeful to hopeless. Okay? You can't get a you can't get a Messiah through the royal line of David if there's no babies. That's why as as we want you read through the Old Testament, the devil's always trying to kill that line. When you read the book of Esther, you got Haman. He's trying to extinguish the Jews. I mean, it's always that way. So we started this chapter with all hope lost for the Messiah to come as the crazy lady killed off all the sons of David. But we end in great shape with the young moldable boy of the line of David on the throne. So God still wins. He always wins. Now, don't be confused here. This same little boy named Joash is also Jehoash. Okay, I have no idea why it's that way. Jehoash means given by the Lord, and he's the eighth king of Judah. Okay, so verse 1, in the seventh year of Jehu, who he is the king up north of the northern ten tribes, Jehoash, or Joash, same person, became king. See, we're backtracking here, and he, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. So this Joash is the one-year-old baby that was seven when he became king. That's who we're reading about right here. Okay, the only way to keep track of them is what their name is and where did they reign. Okay, as long as you, or you can go on Blue Letter Bible or Haley's that has a whole list of them. And, and you know, and you go, wow, there's a Joash of the north and a Joash of the south. And a, he changed his name to Jehoash. He did too. But as long as you keep track of where they're reigning, you won't get confused. His mother's name was Zibia of Beersheba. This is Joash's mom. That's all we know about her. Her name shows up twice. Says the exact same thing, both places. 
who was the wife of King Ahaziah. That's all we know of this mom who must have died before the crazy lady started killing all the kids, or you would think she would have took her own child. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehodiah, the priest, instructed him. Now, please don't miss the tagline on the end here. All the days in which Jehodiah, the priest, instructed him. So first of all, don't underestimate church attendance where you fellowship with others that are like-minded. Because spiritual discipleship in your life takes place as we gather in your life and in the life of others. But this wording in verse 2 is extremely suspicious. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehodiah the priest instructed him. Doesn't, doesn't it seem like maybe there was a time when Jehodiah wasn't instructing him? Yeah, there is. Turn in your Bible, 2 Chronicles 24, 17. you got to see this. You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sleeping in my garage make your car. But you know what? If you're a true believer and you decide just to pull out and go your own way, got to be careful. This, this is a, the rest of this section in this whole chapter is a warning to those that say, ah, I don't need the body of Christ. I can just do it myself. Check this out. Second Chronicles 24, 17. Now the death of Jehodiah, the leaders of Judah. Now after the death of Jehodiah, the leaders of Judah came down and bowed down to the king. Okay, this was the high priest. He was the one. Him and his wife were the one that was raising this little baby boy. Okay, you guys with me? Okay, he died. You guys with me? Okay, so after he died, him and his wife, she was the nurse that kind of slid him out of there so he didn't get killed in the beginning of the chapter where we started in chapter 11. Now, after the death of Jehodiah, the, the high priest, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king. That would be King Jehoash. And the king listened to them. Therefore, they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers. You see that? They left the house of the Lord God of their fathers. Who did? The leaders did. They left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of the trespass. Exactly what God said. Look, if you walk with me, I'm going to bless you. If you don't, you're going to get the curses. I mean, it's, it's, it's Joash evidently was a man that was easily influenced by whatever wind or wave of doctor was blowing. And this happens to be the one that's blowing. But as we look back, as long as Jehodiah was alive, as long as there was some form of spiritual discipleship in his life, he did well. Like, real well. But now that it, that's gone, it didn't take him long to fall on his face spiritually. Look at verse 19. Yet God sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. And they testified against them, but they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehodiah the priest, the one who died, who stood above the Spirit of God, or who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because we don't like to prosper, God. We like being broke and, you know, eating dove poop. And, you know, we just we just like living that way. Remember, remember in the siege, we saw it a few chapters back, they were so poor they were eating dove poop. Well, why do you do this so that you cannot prosper? Because you've forsaken the Lord, he's also forsaken you. I sure hope this is not where we are in our country. 
we've definitely forsaken the Lord in our country in so many ways. So they conspired against him. Against who? Starts with a Z. Zechariah. Zechariah. So they conspired against Zechariah and at the command of the who? King. Who is that king? Joanne. Yeah, read down a little bit if you don't know. And they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which Jehodiah his father had done to him, but killed his son. And as he died, he said, the Lord look on it and repay. I mean, this is almost like soap operas couldn't even create this stuff. The very family that had taken this little baby when he was one year old, one years old, they rescued him from the crazy lady so he wouldn't be murdered. They raised him, protected him, spoke spiritual things into him, as now because he didn't like what the younger priest in that family was saying, killed him. It's crazy. He's liking the pagan worship better. Joash had the priest killed. Now, I don't know about you, but that awakens me and alarms me when I see stuff like this. I mean, this is the picture of the human heart that Jeremiah says is desperately wicked. You see, we all need to keep close to Jesus all the days of our life, and we'll be fine. But wander, be careful. Many that wander lose their way. Back to chapter 12, verse 3. Okay, so we, we read, that's the end of the story, okay? So we're backtracking here. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So partially reformed, but not perfect as when the times of King David was king. And Jehoash said to the priests, all the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord. So the three or four different types of gifts or offerings here, the dedicated things, those things that the law requires to be re redeemed, you know, the first son, the first... Then there is the valuation tax, where the priest would assign a value to the various things that you own. We'd maybe call it property tax. I think that's Leviticus 27 or 17. I'm not positive. Then there was the temple tax. Annually, everyone was required to give a shekel to the temple. And then there are the free will good offerings. You know, my, my love for God, this is just what I want to do. And so Jehoash tells the priest to collect the money for a building fund. Now, before we get to the end, we got to go, what happened to this guy? I mean, here, look what he's doing, man. He wants to repair the temple. But as soon as the high priest dies, he goes crazy. So how, what what happened? Well, I think if we let this speak for himself, this, ourselves, I think we kind of see. And so, so he said, let the priest take it themselves. Okay, so this is what Joash or Jehoash, whichever one you want to go by. Let him take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let him repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation is found. Now, we all know why Joash wants to see the temple fixed and rebuilt, right? Why does he want to see this rebuilt? No. Practical. It had been his home for six years. You don't think the kid knows where... I mean, he's been hiding, right, for six years. So he's been creeping around the whole temple. He probably knows every shortcut and every hideout. And he also knows every place that's broken down. 
I was his home six years. I mean, wouldn't that press upon your own heart if you lived in some place six years and it's kind of a broken down shack and yet it shouldn't have been? And so, you know, he definitely knew the condition of it better than most. And so he says here to the priest, pay yourself out of the offerings as you repair the temple. Pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Verse 6. Now, it was so by the 23rd year of King Jehoash, so he's, he's 30 years old now, seven when he started, and he's plus 23, he's 30. He has 17 years to go before he's killed that the priest had not repaired the damages of the temple. So is that because there were too many repairs? Is that because they thought they were above the work? Oh, that would kind of make you have a sour taste towards the priest. Is it because the holes in the priest's pockets were too big and the money just never seemed to stick around? I don't know. So King Jehoash called Jehodiah, the priest, and other priests and said to them, Why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? You know, you got a great little picture here of the disciplee passing up the discipler. The discipler was instructing him and leading him in the ways of the Lord. And now he simply asked for all the priests, Hey, look, fix the temple. And they haven't. So now he's passed him in a sense. Hey, I gave you a simple command. What's up? The vast majority of the priests, it seems, were either corrupt or lazy. Now, therefore, do not take more money from your constituency, but deliver it for the repairing the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. Then Jehodiah the priest took a chest, bored a hole in its lid, and set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priest who kept the door put there all the money brought in to the house of the Lord. So they took a chest with the lock on it because either A, the priests, it seems, were corrupt, lazy, or slow. And so they set up this box by the door so the priest didn't have to hang on to the money anymore. So it was, verse 10. Whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, it seems when the people realized the greedy priests could no longer get their paws on it, people started to freely give that the king's scribes and the high priests came up and put it in bags and counted the money which was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to carpenters and builders who worked on the house of the Lord and the masons and the stonecutters, and for buying timber and hew and stone to repair the damage of the house of the Lord. And for all that was paid out, to repair the temple. Now, this is pretty sad, I think. So they cut off the opportunity for the priest to do something and they pay the workers directly. And now the work is getting done. However, they were not there were not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, things that would have to be molded or poured, trumpets, any articles of gold or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of the Lord, but they gave that to the workmen that they repaired the house of the Lord with it. Moreover, they did not require an account from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to be paid to workmen. Why? For they dealt faithfully. So, so here they are, the workmen are showing up, the, the religious leaders of the day. Pretty sad, the workmen, the stone guys, the carpenters, the workers of metal were more reliable than the priests because remember Jehoash said, look, priests, get it done, but they never did. So does this 
do something to Joash that when his mentor dies, he realizes they're just a bunch of lazy bums? I don't know. Does, it, does this become his excuse for rebelling? Well, look, we all rebel because we're not victims, but because we rebel. But here's a young guy that's had a kind of a rough life. And he's, he gave these guys a simple command, and obviously there's a lot of hypocrisy in the priesthood. So the money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord that belonged to the priests. So the priests were not to finance the projects like so many do. The people were supposed to do that. And the money from the sin and trespass offerings were for their living expenses. When we were in Croatia in the early 90s in Somobor, Slovenia, there was this Catholic church. It's pretty nice on the outside. And I asked these two girls that we had led to faith in Christ, does anyone ever go there? And without hesitation, on unison, they said, oh, no, nobody goes. Really? She goes, oh, yeah, the priests, they come around to your house once a year. And I thought, well, that's cool. You know, you get priest visits. But without hesitation, they told me they don't want anybody to go to the church. What? Yeah, because they don't want you to wear it out. Uh, well, what do they do when they come to your house once a year? Um, they collect for your sins that you committed last year. The money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings. Hey, if those crooked priests back in Somobor, Slovenia knew that, they could have used this verse for it. Hey, see right here. You're supposed to give. Of course, it's Old Testament law. But these priests in some of our Slovenia, later out, I found it. There's many of them that do that. They don't care if you come. They just go door to door. And I'd imagine it's that way in the denominational church some way. Hey, you didn't give. I know that's why we didn't go to church anymore after I was age 12. They tied the envelopes, came home with a letter, and my dad said a few choice words, and those babies went flying across the kitchen, slam dunk into the garbage can. Crazy, 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 crazy. Haziel, king of Syria, with a very weak army, you need to know that, went up and fought against Gath and took it and won. Then Haziel, hot off of victory, set his face up to go up to Jerusalem with the same weak, extremely inferior army. And when you read the passage in Second Chronicles chapter 24, this weak Syrian army spanks the mighty army of Judah. Why? Because God is bringing judgment upon the reign of Joash. And in this battle, Joash is wounded. And Jehoash, king of Judah, who, was, who has wandered from the Lord, took all the sacred things that his fathers Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah, had dedicated in his own sacred things when he was walking with the Lord. And all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and in the king's house, and he sent them to Haziel, king of Syria. Then he went away from Jerusalem. But when you go read in Second Chronicles, it reads he got wounded. But did he really need to do this? See, it doesn't work when you go read Second Chronicles 24. So what's going on in Joash's life? Well, it's like what we looked at earlier. He's no longer walking with the Lord. And so at this point in his life, he's trusting in himself and leaning on his own understanding rather than trusting in the Lord. The mindset must be, I can do this all myself, thank you. And he's trusting his possessions rather than trusting God. But now he just gave all his possessions away. 
And even though God sent prophets to him, warning him, he failed to listen, he stoned the ones closest to him, and so now God's bringing judgment against him. You don't want to walk, you don't want to turn back, I gave you multiple tries. So God is now going to bring judgment against him. And in the passage in 2 Chronicles we looked at, if you follow that down, it says that Joash was severely wounded in this battle with the Syrians, even though it just makes it seem like they went away after he gave them a bunch of stuff. But see, that's the beauty of reading the whole Bible, the whole counsel of God's word. You get the whole picture. You know, you don't get contradictory pictures. No, you get the full picture. So this one's going to say, here's what they did here. And this one's going to say, this is what they did here. And you blend them together. And, you know, they, he gave them the stuff. It still didn't work. They still came and attacked. And he got wounded. Verse 19. Now, the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? You know, the sad truth is, there's no record that Joash repents before these two servants kill him. There's nothing. There's, I couldn't find anything. So you got to finish well, team. You have to start with Jesus, and you have to end with Jesus. You can't start with Jesus and end with something else and still think you're going to be accepted in. I don't know. Maybe you can be, but it's not a line I care to be in. You know, I'm not going to say you can't, and I'm not going to say you can, but I'll tell you what, it's not a line I want to be in. Our God is a jealous God, and I don't believe he's interested in sharing us with anybody. And so his servants arose and formed a conspiracy and killed Joash, who was wounded from the battle earlier in the house of the Milo, which goes down to Selah. For Josachar, the son of that dude, and Jehozabad, because he is a bad dude, the son of Shomer, his servants struck him. So he died, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. As God's original word spoken to Moses holds true. If you walk with me, I will bless you. And if you don't, you're going to receive the judgments and curses. And that's exactly what happened here. So here's the man that had everything going for him. He had every opportunity to be known as one of the great reforming kings in the whole nation of Israel. He grew up under the influence of Jehodiah, the high priest. And under his influence, they improved the temple conditions. They reestablished the temple worship. They tore down Baal worship. He could have gone down in history as one of the great kings. But at the death of Jehodia, his spiritual mentor, the old nature that was there, and it began to reveal itself. That's why you and I, we don't need to be accountable to a man. We need to be accountable to Jesus Christ. Well, I need an accountability partner to walk it out. No, you don't. Because what happens when I'm not there? You know, you need Jesus Christ. That's what, and that's why you and I, as we daily die and pick up our cross daily and walk and walk and follow Jesus, he's your accountability partner. That's who you need. Now, you can have people you pray with, but if you're accountable to some man and not to Jesus, well, there's something kind of messed up there. You know? And so here he here he is. The old nature crept in and he dies, not in a place of honor. He dies in a, in a place, even though it says, and he, he walked with God in the beginning, this is how he dies. You know, Lord, help us to walk as your son walked. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 Father, help us to, Lord, consider and see the pictures, and Lord, just even in our own spiritual journey, Lord, to stay close to you. Lord, to stay in that place where we can hear your voice, where we can see you, where we can understand, where we can 
come to realize, Lord, all that you want to do in and through our lives. Lord, we just want to stay close to you because you love us. Because you gave your only son for us. Because you have incredible blessings. You have usefulness for us because we're still here. And so God, pour your spirit out upon us. 